Listening Dog Media. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Peck. And I'm Jenny Powell. Now, this next wonderful lady needs no introduction, really, but here's one anyway. Global parenting expert, familiar to our screens as one hell of a super nanny, 18 years TV producing, presenting, and six times best-selling author, and she still has time to speak to us. And I know that list could go on and on, but Joe Frost is with us. Hello, Joe. Hello. How was that? I, I always get really conscious of intros. I mean, you know, I never get one normally, but um, <laughs> yeah, was that all right? We usually bumble our way through it. That's the truth. But we're on it today, aren't we, Jem? Well, yeah, as on it as we're left. We're hot mess mums. We're never on it. Do you know what though? I love the fact. I love the title, the hot mess mums, because there's a real. <laughs> reality in the fact that you know everything that the hot mess mum states is what people also need to aspire to like letting go of some things and recognizing that you are enough and that you're doing the best that you can so hey hot mess mum all day long We're delighted to be working with Cooker throughout this series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be telling you all about their brilliant boiling water taps and the fantastic addition they are to any family home. I say it like that because I love it. Not only do they save time, Cooker taps are the most energy and water efficient appliance in the kitchen. A child safe double push and turn mechanism also helps to protect curious kids. And curious mothers are 89, by the way. <laughs> For more information, visit cooker.co.uk. Uh, cooker, spell Q-U-O-O-K-E-R, of course. Quite often on this um, podcast, um, Joe, we're always saying about the guilt factor, you know, as it, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves as mums, as parents, don't we? Yes. It's just, I don't know, we're just born to do that, make ourselves feel guilty, make ourselves feel like we're never quite enough. And you must come across this all the time with the work you do, helping families um, and helping parents. Absolutely, every day. And look, I'm all for the men's movement in this present time of eradicating toxic masculinity. But um, there's no secret that women are still carrying that clipboard with more trolls than men. Let's just keep it real here. Uh, You know, let's just keep it real. I say this a lot. And I know that things have changed a lot and, and, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I do always feel, and I think I always will, that, you know, if you're the one that has the child, it is ultimately your life that will change more than the guys. And it doesn't matter, you know, how hands-on they are. It is always the mum's life and it's always more give and take and... I think you always come across, you know, you can't have it all and all of that. Whereas I do think it is easy for guys, you know, I do feel that way. It is easier with respect to we carry that internal pressure, I think, as mothers, you know, remembering so much and not remembering and writing that down and wanting to certainly meet the needs. And again, I think we live in such a polarising world that it's about meeting in the middle. It's about 
you know, giving yourself permission because nobody gives it to you. As you get older, you realize no one gives it to you. By the time you're on your second child, pregnant with your third, you realize I'm taking it. I'm taking it because no one is giving, right? And so there's that, you know, that real reality of I'm going to be resentful. I am going to feel like I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel if I do not take a stance in recognizing what are the priorities? What can we change here? And how can we make the kids more independent and looking at parenting styles? And in a world that's so polarized, um, I think we need to recognize that it's not one extreme or the other. And let's face it, the modern family means that both sets of parents, if you are, you know, one of two, have to come together and realize there's no pink or blue jobs. There's just jobs that need to be done. There's tasks, right? And that includes the things that need to get done with the kids as well. And we want to talk more as women than men do, I think, you know, and at the end of the day, you've got to carve that time out and say, look, let's have a plan here. What's happening this week? You know, when are you working late? What's happening with, you know, the kids, you know, the pandemic highlighted what was already there that needed to be addressed. There were no holidays you could hide from. There was no working late and I won't get back in time to talk. You had to face what you'd been putting off. And then there was the new dilemmas that had happened from the pandemic, the homeschooling, really working out how you were going to ask for help for friends and families when you needed that little bit of time to get done what was necessary. Renegotiating with work colleagues, right, and bosses to have more compassion and understanding. Talking to, you know, daycare and nurseries. It, it forced you in a way to have to be more courageous in your vulnerability at that time yeah I think vulnerability is a strength isn't it in itself and it came out through all that uh, and it was like you say it was actually a good thing and I think other things as well I know not everyone wants to be at home all the time and it's not for them but I think the whole idea of flexi working for some mums you know there's a bit more shouting about that now we've got some really big advocates in the UK for it that are banging on employers doors and going to parliament saying you know women work just as hard but they don't have to do nine to five they don't have to be in the office every day and this is how it can be done and I think since the pandemic that's been brought a bit more forward as well because it's incredibly difficult for parents the whole work-life balance it's mad yeah and it's not a balance is it it's not seesaw when people think of balance they think of scales that sit still or a seesaw that sits still and balance is not it tilts up it tilts down we give a little bit more here and we have to give and that means ultimately there's a little bit less here you know it's up and down slightly up slightly down it's never up I've started swaying. Joe, I started doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I was swaying as you were talking. I've just caught myself on the screen. I'm going up and down. You'll up. be nodding off in a minute. <laughs> oh, sorry. You'll be nanning up into Joe's yeah. soothing voice. But it, that in itself, that whole balance, you know, it's exhausting, isn't it? If there are no principles in place in recognising how do you get to there, right? So we hear the buzzwords of consistency. We hear the buzzwords of creating, you know, create a routine. Well, what makes you more consistent, right? You've got to look at what you're prepared to say yes to, what you're prepared to say no to. Look at the other family members. What's those priorities? Where are the boundaries? 
you know, how is your time being managed? What am I doing to help myself so that I at least right now can do the best with recognizing how do I meet the getting enough sleep, making sure I'm taking my vitamins. Can I get out for at least a 20 minute walk? Because it's quiet right now before I've got to get back on another Zoom meeting or meet a deadline. What time am I picking the kids up? Am I more organized with recognizing, you know, hey, look, this is what the kids are going to have this week. So if you can become more organized, if you can prioritize, if you can recognize the importance of of getting that sleep in, which means you can't stay up till 12 o'clock watching your box set, right? And being okay with saying no Mm -hmm. when you have a fear of missing out and not being hard on yourself because your kids are not in two activities each night for five days a week, you can have some space to start alleviating the burnout that you're feeling now. So you either have a choice to look at how will you at least start applying and implementing, or will you just roller coast and then spend a lot of energy saying, I haven't got it all together, right? And I really feel that At this stage, we do have to start looking as parents what is working for us and what's not. Because we've all seen that picture of the spinning plates, you know, the mum holding the spinning plates. And we have a culture that rewards all the plates that are spinning. And actually, the lesson is to spin less plates and be happier. You mentioned culture, and it's interesting because, you know, globally, you're, you know, you help so many families, so many people. Are there certain cultures that are just better at parenting? Because what you've just said about, maybe it's a more laid-back culture of people, you know, that, that manage it better. I mean, it's a bit of a broad question, I know, but I'm just intrigued. I think around the world, there are certain countries that I feel may have a different attitude towards parenting in one particular area. And I feel that it would do us the world of good to be able to take a peek inside how other countries live with their families and say, actually, I like the way they've adopted this. Right. And I'm going to do that with my own family as well, because, you know, it's not about competition. It's about learning from each other and saying, look, that really works for them. How could we modify it and apply it in our circumstances? You know, like the tiger mum, right? Gets a really big rap, you know, with respect to being on it. And I think it's because we see a polarized version of that, meaning we see a mother who has self-discipline and she's teaching the kids self-discipline. But then what we don't see is the emotional connection and interaction where the child's needs are met emotionally and they feel heard or validated. So, again, you can apply that and say, actually, kids do need to be more self-disciplined. They do need to do things more for themselves. They don't need to, at 15 years old, have their mum making their packed lunches. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, again, you know, there, there are different countries that I feel we could learn from, for, for sure. Mm. I think in the UK, there's this thing that if you're not busy, 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 busy all the time, then you're failing at life. And I know that I've often felt that and I don't adhere to it anymore because I've been burnt out several times and it's taken me a long time to learn. And it's been painful at times, but... <clears throat> 
I do think there's always been that thing, you know, you've got to be busy. If you're not busy, if everyone doesn't see you busy... Are you doing your job? Yeah. If you're not busy, are you being the mum that you're supposed to be? You've had a moment to put your feet up <laughs> or you've got it easy, haven't you? I do hear from mothers, you know, that their partners say, oh, well, what's been done all day and what have you done? And, you know, what did you... Well, my day, and there's a comparison. So I think that at times... We've put it on ourselves that we have to be busy all day because that shows we're a busy mum and we, you know, we do so much for our kids. It's almost ego attached. Whereas when you sit there and say, I've given myself some time in this day because actually I can't go off to Starbucks and grab a panini Mm. and sit and just chill with no kids. Then all of a sudden it becomes a different narrative in your head, right? And it's always interesting when you swap roles as well, I think. So I'm, you know, the main one that drops off and picks up and does all of that. But Chris is off. My husband this week, he's having a week off. So he picked them up tonight so I could set up for this and everything. And they came flying through the door with him. I'm hungry. I want food. I want this. I want that. And there's my four-year-old throwing himself on the floor, going mad, you know, having a toddler tantrum. And I'm taking the laptop and he's going, enjoy, won't you? And I went, that's my life every night at at half past three, Chris. That is what it's like. I have to gear myself up ready for it. So it's good to swap to see, you know, the difference, isn't it? And I've started going back into work outside of the house. So I'm getting out of weekends and, and going back into the studio. And I love it because I'm like, now... I'm having you and you're having me and we're swapping a bit so we can appreciate each other. Yeah, well, you want that appreciation, right? So it's like it's like for parents, they're now walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. And sometimes the other partner needs to do that because they don't hear. So you can talk to your partner and say, look, I'm finding this really difficult. And a lot of mums do come to me and say, how do I stop my partner minimizing how I'm feeling because I'm not receiving that emotional support because we want a partner that emotionally says, I'm really sorry that you really had a tough day. What can I do for you right now? Because if we had that, we wouldn't be fighting over the broccoli being overcooked, right? And a bit of mud that came in through the, you know, the front door, right? What we're really saying is, do you see me? Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you not validating that? And why are you not? looking at how we're going to resolve this together. Sometimes it's about teaching your partners and being able to say, look, this is what my weekday is. And this is where the kids are right now. And do you need any help understanding? And am I too controlling? Have I taken over everything that I've disabled my husband from actually making a sandwich without him worrying, is that the right protein in there? Should it have been ham? Should it have been cheese? Did did I give the wrong snack? Um, is this going to create drama? Yeah. So again, sometimes you'd have to say, look, here, look, is the snacks there? And this is there. And, you know, this is healthier for the kids, you know. But if one certainly has the education of knowing, look, this is what I want the kids to eat because it's far healthier. We've got ourselves into some bad habits. Again, it comes down to communication and saying, look, you know what, the kids right now, like, look what's going on. You know, look at these bad habits. If we don't set the example and make these changes ourselves, how are they going to be able to see that? You know, so again, it does boil down to looking at the parents and the communication style that they have and how you can best help them work together, right? And that means you have to take time out to actually have conversations 
that may for a couple seem awkward. And I use, you've seen me use um, on my shows, I call it the babble box. So you take the personal out of it and you say, here's what's happening. You write it on cards, you put it in the box. And twice a week, you open up the box. It's you both v the issue. What's happening here? How can we solve it? The mindset is to say, right, how are we going to solve this particular issue right now? What can we both do where we feel like we can come together and say, okay, right, we've got this. Yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. You know, we're working together because that's what we want. Yeah, because then you're putting that in that box as opposed to you blame each other. Correct. As well, wouldn't you? I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's no cool. blame game and it's not finite. You know, it's not a 45 minute each way football match. Now, it's infinite, you know, and at some stage you're parenting. And then at some stage, you're not because your kids become young adults and they're coming to you for guidance um, and advice. And they have to learn themselves. You know, they have to make their own decisions. They're not looking for you to fix it. I also think, again, when it comes to parents and kids, you know, it's wise sometimes if you have that type of personality to say, are you looking for ears or are you looking for, you know, help? Yeah. Sometimes mums don't want fix it. Dad don't want fix it. They just want to be able to say today was insane. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I mean my eldest is twenty one now, so you know I've been through this whole process, and at the moment she's at that stage, you know, where she's getting her independence, and you know she's she's got big life changing things to 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 think about. You know, just leaving uni, where she's going to live, what she's going to do. So she's coming to me quite a lot now with oh. What shall I do? Oh, and and I, I'm sort of cautious because I'm like, is she thinking aloud? How much support do I give her? You know, how much do I say? Should and then sometimes she go, no, 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 no. I want to do this on my own, and then I have to sort of like pull back a bit. But it's really interesting because it's just in the past year or so, and it's another level again because Kelly's children are much younger. But you know, with her and even thirteen year old, it's a different level now, and it is where it's like, when do I share? When don't I? Or am I just a pair of ears? And that's really interesting because I think you're. Right. I think sometimes you're just the, a pair of ears and they kind of know you're there. Their older kids want a soundboard. Yeah. But what they get from it is that you're supportive. What they get is that they do have someone to go to. What they get is the family member is there. What they get is that they can take risks because they know home yeah. is stable. And what you're creating always is the stability and the security. Mum, I don't know if I, after I finish uni, whether I should just go and travel. And ultimately, they're going to make their own decisions anyway. We all did at 21. <laughs> we all did at 21. We made our own decisions. And I think it teaches your older kids to listen to their gut as well. And dance with logic and heart as well. Oh, I like that. I'm writing that one down. Dance with logic and heart. Oh, it's a good one, that. Yeah, because your head is logic, but your heart, you know, sometimes your heart it is in a different space to the logic of where your head spaces you know but if they can dance together in a space where you know at moments you recognize okay I have to put logic with heart you know I I go on a lot about confidence because I want them to start listening and trusting their own gut there's so much since the social media has opened up the way it has there is so much information out there Mm. that I have never been in a time where parents have felt 
so less confident. It's just uh, so much noise, isn't it, of everyone's opinions, everyone's advice. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I mean, just yeah. touching on when you've mentioned the pandemic and how it changed everything with the homeschooling. I We had guests on here that were saying, oh my God, did you see, you know, these mums on Instagram with the blackboards and the kitchen looked perfect and the, the lunches were out on the table and they were making it look like it was this great, enjoyable event. And they were like, I hated it. So what did that say about me? And it's that social comparison. Well, because it's a virtual world. So every mum or dad that's raising kids listening to this, you saw the virtual snapshot, right, of what it looked like. What you didn't see was the pile of laundry, right, that needed to be folded up and put away, the crack on the side that needed to be worked out and fouled and everything else. What you didn't see was the thousand Legos that were on the floor and possibly the little one grabbing hold of a chocobo right, while we try to take that quick shot. You know, the, the virtual world and the real world, even when you have Instagram and people have created this narrative of we're living in the natural world and this is the photo, it's still polished, you know. So there's two different worlds going on and I don't want mums to lose themselves in a virtual world. I need them grounded in their real world because that's the real connections. That's the real, that's where the real memories are being made. And there's, there's a big danger around that right now with wanting to take photographs of every moment. You know, I've got mums that I've spoken to who haven't taken their kids beyond once to the park in a week because they already got the photos that they were meant to get. Oh, that's sad. That's so sad. Instead of just doing what you're supposed to be doing with the kids and getting them out and going to play on the swings and coming back and, you know, those moments of chaotic mess and just taking those natural photos, right? Oh, no, we've already got that. It's all planned. It's all crafted out. And look what the kids are missing out. Um, you know, the swings are lonely, parents. The slide need children. So, you know, that's the harsh reality of what's happening. The Hot Mess Mums. Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. All through this series, we're working with Cooker to tell you all about their amazing products. Cooker taps can transform any family home. Here's Kimberly to tell you all about them. The cooker tap has changed my kitchen in so many ways. It gives me boiling water, hot cold as normal on your standard mixer tap. And then I also have the cube, which gives me sparkling and filtered chilled water. My partner drinks a lot of sparkling water, so that there was always a lot of bottles in the fridge, taking up a lot of room. So now we've completely got our fridge back, which has just been amazing. Having a cooker tap is, it's just changed everything. It's a double push and turn. So obviously once the child does get older, she'll only be able to know how to use it with the double push and turn. And also the tap never gets hot. So the safety feature is huge for me. And my nana, she's always kind of there at my house. Having someone elderly in the house, that was always a thing for me as well. So she's absolutely fine at using it. It did take a little bit of time getting used to it, but now she kind of wants one in her house as well. You need it in your life for the convenience, the energy efficiency, not having any bottles of water in your fridge, helping save the planet. For more information, visit cooker.co.uk, spelt Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. Our hot mess mums, telling it like it is, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell.
Jen, with your girls, you've done an amazing job with that because they're not really on social media at all. So Jenny's eldest daughter is an incredible artist and she posts some of her pictures, her paintings, but neither of them are like, you know, like I've got friends that have got daughters that are on there at 14, you know, looking like bloody models. But your two, they do live in the real world. I get, uh, you're not putting this on Insta, are you, Mum? I'm not doing it for you. (laughs) It's healthy. I mean, look, if you're getting your validation from social media, then you need more work to do. You know, it's, it's there as a place to be able to share what you're passionate about, you know, and... Uh, possibly promote and market, right? If you're going into business. Yeah. But if you're getting your worth through that. Especially, you know, I mean, you're in the California and, uh, you know, everyone's out and about a lot more than probably we are here in the UK. We're not that far behind. We're really not because social media opened up the forum to everybody. And we're majorly influenced by America. You know, America is so influential to so many other countries. You know, when we look at the usage of parents on their phones parallel to America, you know, with parents spending more time on their phone and kids trying to get that attention and kids being on the phone. And, you know, when we look at mental health, that's a global issue. Us professionals saw that 10 years ago. Um, you know, if families didn't pay heed to the priority and the importance of how they were going to keep their families authentically connected, then we were going to be in a world that was becoming smaller, but more disconnected. You know, so I'm saying that what I am saying is we do need to embrace it. It's here to stay. And there's a lot of positive um, and there's a lot of fun that can come from that and education. But I feel again, we need to balance. We're not in balance, right? We're not in a space where we're saying to ourselves as a family, what can we change that creates more harmony in a family and less chaos and less stress that has an impact on our energy, that has an impact in the way that we have, you know, personal relationships with our children, with our partners, with our friends, with our work colleagues, you know, and creating Um, energetically I think more community and less individualism like look at me look what I'm doing this is me more about how we help one another to me it's that attitude that's most important and women can be the cruelest to other women you know And, and I say that very honestly for us to be more mindful of that where they're comparing and judging and you know breastfed not breastfed fed is best you know the whole you know, we can be really tough. Um, another th- a sort of uh, thing that we really wanted to talk to you about was the whole single mum thing. Because that's huge. You know, we, we uh, Jenny has a, a partner and, and I'm married. Jenny's engaged, but her partner isn't um, her daughter's dad. So Jenny's been there in that situation. My best yeah. friend's recently got divorced and she's back out there dating in secret, um, <laughs> trying to sort of get her wheels back. It's a huge thing. Yeah thing that maybe isn't spoken about enough um with the whole being a single mum and what that entails but obviously I'm sure Joey you know in your work that you have worked with a lot of single mums you know find themselves in that position Uh, hey a big salute to all those single mums out there gone are those days where you know, 15 years ago, everybody wanted to tarnish the single mum. You know, here are the statistics. I know a lot of successful mums. And I'm not even talking about those mums who have careers. 
I'm talking about those mums that absolutely love the work that they do. They have their priorities set. They pace their week. They have learned to ask for help without taking advantage. They give themselves the time that they need. They recognize it's the long-term, not the short-term gain. They are compassionate and forgiving. They are not perfect. They sit down with their kids and say, I didn't get it right. Reset, time out. I should have done this instead. You know, they are the first to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You know, I wasn't thinking, can we have this conversation again? Um, and kudos to them, you know, they're teaching their kids resilience, they're teaching their kids strength, they're teaching their kids how to ask for help. Successful people know how to ask for help. Successful people realise they're not always the smartest in the room. You know, they understand cooperation and getting stuff done, you know, they, they raise more self-sufficient and independent children, you know. So again, I salute all those single parents and most of them feel guilty because of what they feel was a fail. Mm. The marriage failed. That's it. It's the failure thing. It is. It's the first thing you think. You think, I'm a failure in that and I'm a failure to them. It's a, And it, it, it kind of never leaves you, you know. It's, it's, it's quite deep that, you know, and life goes on and the years go by, but you're always that person looking back thinking, oh, could it have been different or better or this? But, you know, it is a really tricky one. And I think you're absolutely right. I think recognising that you can ask for help is a massive thing because you feel like you're just so isolated and that you've just been left to do it or that you, you, you're not that person to do that. You, you can't. And the stigma to talk about it. Sometimes there's that kind of bravado of, you know what, I don't want to be looked at because I'm a single mum, I can't do it. But sometimes single mums do need to pick up the phone and say, oh my God, like today was insane and it's been really difficult. And sob and have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and pick it up and tomorrow's another day. Like strong women do have their days where they cry and go, right, I needed this, I needed to release, I needed to cry, I needed to go, right, okay back on it again if we look at oh I failed and what if and what if it means we're looking in the past and if we start to think about what the future could be then at least we're focusing on the positive and we can remain present because you only have now and now it's going to be different to tomorrow right so you do the best that you can today and you wake up with the intention of saying I'm going to do the best I can today and sometimes it doesn't always work out. Okay, and there's the next day. Because I do think that as parents, we can spend a lot of time looking back. And that's great to a certain degree if it's about reflection and learning. But if we keep looking back and we can't be present in the now to actually be more attuned uh, to ourselves and to the relationships that we have, we almost to a certain degree detach from ourselves. And so, you know, the work that I do is teaching mothers to be more connected to emotionally how they're feeling and whether they are detaching themselves in a space of kind of fight or or fright, Mm. right? Because when we're overwhelmed, then, you know, we go into that space of freeze, fraud, fight or fright, you know? So again, the more we kind of work on ourselves and evolve Mm. and grow and learn and more compassionate, more forgiving you know I think that we evolve and we change as as single parents over time and I say over time because not done in a week so anyone who's listening it's not done in a week you know I have families that come to me and say 
you know, I'm, I'm needing a little bit of help here. I realise, okay, let's look at how we can guide you. Yes, this has been going on for how long? About three years. Okay, no, it's not going to take seven days to resolve, you know. But what you speak about, Jenny, is very real. In if you look at it as a fail, you're going to hold that guilt because you're going to hold yourself responsible for it. Whereas if you look at it as a life lesson, what did I learn? What did I learn about myself in the marriage, you know, that I can grow from so that the next time I'm in a space where I want to embrace love and to love, what, what, how have I grown from that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because nothing's guaranteed, is it, in that respect, right? Nothing's guaranteed. You do the best you can. And I think it's a complicated achievement to individually find yourself and to grow with the partner that you choose to spend your life with at that time. What's interesting, now, you know, I'm with someone else, uh, like stepdad, fiance, you know, for 10 or so years. Pollyanna was like 10, 12 weeks old when I was uh, a single mum and Connie was eight. So for me, I just, you know, I gathered my little nest and I kept that and I, and I still am like that. So I, it's very difficult for me to delegate to this day. You know, and this is years, this is like 13 years later, but still, yeah. I won't, I'm I'm the parent, it's just me. And you wear the trousers though, don't you, with Martin? He wishes he could do more for you, but yeah, you're and he, so and I won't let him. And I won't let him. I mean, the dad's around and everything, but even with him, and he's very, you know, he's really accommodating and like, you know, he'll help at any, so both of them will, but I still do it all. And I wonder if that's an ego thing, Joe. That's what I'm saying. Is that an ego thing or what is it? Or is it just that deep sort of feeling that you've had that you've, once something happens to you like that and you're left on your own, that you feel like you are forever going to be the main protector? Do you really like me to answer that? You write something, you write something down. I think you already know. Yeah, I am. I wrote the word trust. Uh, and you already know the answer. Yeah, it is ego because the ego protects ourselves when we feel insecurity and the insecurity is around the feeling of will I be let down can I trust to allow this person in because to let me down is one thing but to let my kids down is something else and to actually sit down one evening and say to him I love you and I couldn't think of anything better then you being in our lives where you get to support our children in this way, right, scares the bloody living daylights out of me. And it's it's personal and it hits us right where it makes us feel scared and vulnerable because we continuously evolve from the healing of the wound, right? It would be the most courageous, yet the most wonderful thing to do for your fiancé in allowing him to see that you've made this milestone to take it to the next level and that you're prepared to open yourself up vulnerably to be able to share such a sacred thought that you have, right, an insecurity. So it masks itself, right, as the ego, but underneath it's the insecurity and it comes from a place of trust because you were let down, because you did trust somebody, because you feel that that trust was broken for you. And let me tell you something, Jenny, I can't even, I can't tell you the millions 
of women that will be able to relate to that because the partner wants to show you and he wants to connect. It can be a wall in stopping the partner from truly having this really wonderful connection where the children really feel that they have this confidant, this friendship, right? And this relationship with their stepfather, right? With their father. So eventually you'll get there. Yeah, leave it with me. Leave it with me. I'll make a couple of notes. Small steps, Jane. Where is no, Martin? Is he absolutely. around at the moment? If he's listening to this, he'll be very happy, I think. Yeah, he will. I'll be like, oh, when I get home, I know what she's going to say. No, but no, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that this is going to resonate with a lot of people, Joe. That's because I, I really, I think also you think, am I just a bit, you know, am I just a bit odd? I shouldn't be feeling like that. It's crazy. You know, I should be welcoming the fact that someone wants to share and, you know, and help and, and be part of um so it's really good that you say i mean it's not good but it's really interesting that you say that there's millions of women who feel the same millions worldwide it's a really natural feeling to have you know so you know thank you jenny for bringing it up and being you know being so vulnerable today in being able to share that because so many women are going to be able to relate to what you're saying. Oh, well, you can call me any time. <laughs> oh, no, that's the wrong way around. Um, now, as an older mum, I don't really have many problems with, but I know that it's something we, we wanted to talk about, and that was sleep. Uh uh, uh, but that's more Kelly's ballpark here. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is something, isn't it, that hits every parent out there but obviously more for when the kids are younger but it's a huge issue isn't it you getting enough sleep and feeling good them getting enough sleep and feeling good so I mean massively massive look I don't even think it's just for parents I think it's everyone right now you know like I'm saying to my husband last night I need to get my eight hours in I need to get my eight hours um again I think there are very simple things that we can do and I think they are understanding the importance of when we let go of electronics, because I know there's those mums that got their head on the pillow, surfing, 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 left, right, left, right, surfing, surfing, surfing. I couldn't think of anything worse. Mine goes down at about six o'clock at night on the shelf and I don't touch it. I'm not interested. I couldn't have it in my bedroom. It would drive me insane. It's wonderful that you're doing that. But so your regulation on your electronics before you go to bed... I think there are a lot of women have had, you know, one child later or they may have three or four kids and they may have gone into in their 40s and beyond, might start looking at a little bit of hormonal imbalance, right? So, you know, looking at making sure that we're keeping up with all our vitamins and making sure that we're having, you know, those conversations with our doctors because some of it is not about the fact that we're not mindful of sleeping. Sometimes it is that we may have started, you know, the menopause earlier than what we thought. Menopause. Or we're deficient in a vitamin B or a D, right? So keeping ourselves, you know, up to speed with that open dialogue with our doctors. If we can keep the ritual of what bedtime looks like, we can actually give our body an opportunity to slumber, right? When we look at children, we know that they want to feel safe, and they want to feel secure and everything has to be predictable so that it's consistent and that they can feel that they're in their own rooms and in their own homes where you're creating this predictability and security for them to go to sleep soundly, right? Do we create an ambience that's calmer or with the radio blaring and the TV going on at the same time and the music's up loud? 
you know, like we're at some concert. Festival, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? For people that have got young, that are working, that have got younger children, kids are in school and then after school, sometimes until like 5.30 at night. So they're up and they're starting school at like eight, nine, and then they're not getting them, not picking the kids up until five. And then they come home and it's in a production level of, right, let's get the dinner on, let's get the kids dressed, then let's get the kids this, then let's get the kids that, let's put the kids to bed, let's read them a story, and then it's probably... And there was no, hi, how was your day? What did you do today that was really interesting for you? None of that real nurture. So then the child goes to bed and their mind's spinning because they weren't able to be tactile with you. There was no nurture. There was no real, you know, connection, no bonding in the way that you just playful. And like, if you truly do not have 20 minutes, 30 minutes a night to actually connect with your kids, that you don't have a life. You have to look at the ages of the children and the older kids. How do you help them help themselves? And by that, you have to start putting in some regulation and some rules. They're soft rules that help them help themselves. That is another angle, isn't it? We're saying about the small kids, but teenagers need sleep as well. And when you're talking about devices, I bet that can be an issue. Yeah, it is. And, com- and communications. There has to be a cutoff. You know, we've got kids with TVs in their bedrooms. They've got their phones there. There's notifications. The lighting keeps them still awake. They're playing video games. You know, you need a space where really you can trust your kids to have enough regulation to help themselves. And if it's not, then I think you have to be able to have a conversation where you say, look, this is what we all need to do. And here's why. This is the importance. This is what I'm seeing. So You know, when I'm helping parents with teenagers, it becomes a conversation and not I've told you so, because teenagers are going to think that you're trying to control them and tell them what to do. But when you've got a teenager that's dealing with high anxiety, perhaps, um, and they um, are having trouble sleeping, then the conversation becomes, let's talk about how you can help yourselves so that you're instrumental in empowering the child in helping themselves to form better habits that then have a major impact in the amount of sleep that they get and the impact that it has for them during the day. And most parents and children are not aware of how many times they do go on the phone and how addictive they are to it. You have to be mindful of it first then you can make a choice to do something about it. So teaching children how to be mindful is a really good practice. And the art of doing that can be as simple as them focusing on every little thing that they do in the bath. I'm now washing my hands. I can feel the water on it. What does it feel like? Is it warm? Is it hot? Can I feel the suds and how that feels on my skin? It's about being very present and grounded and mindful of what you're doing so that you're not on autopilot. You become more aware. I'm on my phone. I need to put it down. It's this time of the night. There is nothing that I'm not going to catch up on in the morning. I need to say, hey, sign in up, friends, and put in a boundary in place. And sometimes it helps to start off and do it with them. If you're telling your kids, hey, you need to come off of that. You're going to bed and it's going to keep you more wired and you know, you're not sleeping as it is. And as you're having that conversation, you're swiping up, they're looking at you like, 
Uh, you want to take that advice yourself, you know, so. Oh, so what's happening with, with your children? Uh, so my daughter's eight and she's great. She's a good sleeper. She goes to bed um, about eight. It's got later. Yeah. And she goes down, she has a big cuddle with my husband. They've always, he does the bedtimes. He kind of took that over as his thing. So, um, and she sleeps through and she's fine. My son is four and he's um, never slept. So from from him arriving in the world, he as a baby would only ever sleep on me. And again, Chris does the bedtime with him. He goes at seven. And then my husband has to lie with him until he goes to sleep. But most of the time, he will be up in our room. And then I want daddy in my bed, daddy in my bed. So off daddy goes yes. to cabin bed. But it's the most uncomfortable thing if you're an adult. <laughs> so my husband's like walking around with a crick neck and a bad back all the time. Um, and then he'll be up any time from 5am to 6am in the morning. He'll come in. I want to get up. So one of, oh, it's normally me because Chris will go in the night. I do the early. Do you go and lay in the bed with him early hours in the morning? Uh, no, we get up. He's he's right. wired, wide awake, ready to go, wants to, to play. Yes. But at the moment, it's very difficult because he won't even let me get into bed with him. It's all about Chris at the minute. And that feels really personal, doesn't it? That it's all about Chris right now. Yes, yeah. I saw it with Ava Lily as well and I was very cross when it happened there as well. I was like, you just not let me in. You just not let me in. Whereas now she's eight and she's all about me. So there is this space that you're sitting in right now. You're grieving the fact that he's not a baby anymore. You don't quite want to let go of the fact that, you know, he's this toddler and he's going to be six and then seven. And so it becomes about your emotional need with him and that becomes over-pacified during the day when you're with him because he, as far as you're concerned, rejects you in the night. But (laughs) let me tell you, what's your son's name? Heath. He thinks dad stays with me all when I'm trying to get off to sleep. So I don't need you. I'm going straight back to what's been working for me and I'm going to push for dad, right? Because mum will give me some of her time and then she'll be like, right, now it's going time to go sleep. Whereas dad, and lay there just like he does. So I'm going to push mum away, get what I need. By the way, not what he needs. He wants it, but he actually doesn't need it. And then dad goes along and does it. And then the cycle is, is that you feel hurt. It became personal. And then you over pacify during the day, keeping him in this space of being a immature four-year-old. Right. Rather than what, you know, he's so capable of being able to do on his own and trusting that he will always need you. He will need you to play with him and have fun with him and do games with him, be present when you come home from work and talk to you about his friends and everything else. But again, when we can say, can we be a little bit objective here about what is going on and observe, we can step back in understanding each family member. So for yourself and for many women out there, they are in that same space. Oh my God, he's growing up. Look at him. I feel like he's just growing up before my eyes. I want to hold on to how he made me feel. And you know, it's 
so emotional in that space. It's not, it's not easy. But I am know? also the one that says no. No to the, you're not having a biscuit for breakfast. No, that's not going on. Well, he knows, he knows at bedtime you would cap it. Yeah. He knows at bedtime you would go in yeah. and you would say, in your mind, you're thinking, right, I've done 15 minutes. Like, that's enough. Right? He's got now, I'm going off. So what we've got your partner doing is keeping the peace. Oh, yeah. How we fix that is to recognise that you're coming into a new phase, which is as beautiful. It's just different. And what you want to be able to do is to aspire to enable, you know, Heath to become more self-sufficient and independent and confident and genuinely build more self-esteem and worth because he can see what he can do and, you know, he's more self-sufficient. And then when it comes to the bedtime, if you are prioritising the time with your kids, then what you can do is put a, a sleeping technique in, okay? So what I would suggest you do is that you cap the time and you walk away. So it becomes maybe 30 minutes and then it's 20 minutes and then it's 10 minutes, Right. And then you get you literally get down to two minutes and then you're back in your bed. And what I would do during the middle of the night is I would do the stay in bed technique, which is three points. You say it's bedtime, darling. And you take your child back to bed. They'll come and find you again. And Chris will say bedtime. And they'll take him back to his bed and he'll come back again. And the third will be. Nothing, no communication, because you are actively showing your child that it's quiet time. You're also teaching your child at that moment, but it's about self-soothing and the transition of day to night. So Chris will need to do the stay in bed technique early hours in the morning until you're in a better space emotionally and saying, actually, I'm feeling, I'm actually feeling a lot better with this. Now I realize that as a parent, what I do really want is my child to be more independent and self-sufficient. And what I really do want is to be brave enough to recognize that I can trust that this next stage is going to be just as beautiful because it is, it is, it's just different. I'm mourning that life and, you know, it's a, it's all a bit, it's a bit odd being but when, 40. But when you do get to that stage, then what you want to do is you want to do the night times too. And then you'll get to the stage, Kelly, where, like me, you'll be going, trying to wake, get, go in and disturb their sleep and saying, um, Connie... It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Come on. Or I go in and go, are you up yet? Are you up yet? Oh, it's a lovely day. Are you up? <laughs> so, you know, it's all cycles. It's so Come and play, please. I'm on my own. I think the wonderful thing about it is, is once you've established that, you can have a lot of fun with it. So, like, the kids can be jumping in your beds over the weekend. And sometimes when you want to, if you decide... That actually, I'm going to just lay here for 20 minutes because it feels nice. So I'm just going to snuggle up and read a few stories. You can because you're not thinking in the back of your mind, oh, can't do that because they're going to cry when I leave the room and they're going, Mommy, don't go. You know, you can actually do all of that. It doesn't matter mm. because you've laid the yeah. foundation down in the beginning. So it gives you a lot more freedom, a lot more freedom to play in that area then, you know. You are. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what to say. You're just unbelievable. We're completely absorbed and hanging on every single word you're saying, Joe. And I'm sure everybody else. It's just amazing, honestly. And we really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure. Well, we'd love you to come back on because I think we've got about 
probably got about seven series worth if we really started chatting. You know, what Jenny said is really true. Like families hang on to every word and there's a real responsibility and sensibility and integrity, you know, in being able to really empower parents and being able to do that. And uh, in between all of that, for me, it's a rum and coke, you know, it's a game of footy with the kids, you know, a little bit of chilling around and dancing and everything else and having, and you know, and having um, a lot of laugh. Yeah. Cheers. Rum and Coke to Joe Frost, everyone. Thank you. She's inspired us in so many ways. But thank you, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Kelly Pegg, Jenny Powell, Hot Mess Mums. Thanks to Cooker for sponsoring this episode. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be telling you all about their brilliant boiling water taps and the fantastic addition they are to any family home. Not only do they save time, cooker taps are the most energy and water efficient appliances in the kitchen. A child safe double push and turn mechanism also helps to protect curious kids. For more information, you can visit cooker.co.uk. That's spelled Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. 